If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. Hey everyone, Jason Delray. I cover e commerce at Recode, which might be a little confusing, but this is a media conference. But oftentimes now we're seeing content and commerce mix, sometimes well, sometimes not so well.、Um, one person who has done it pretty well over the last five years is Ben Lair from Thrillist.、Uh, ben, why don't you come up and we can talk more about it? And so, in true, you. true thrillist fashion, we are two dudes drinking beers on a stage. Think, ben, again. ben told、Thank、me he, wanted, he couldn't get on stage without a beer, so,、um, so I, agreed to, I agreed、But. to join him.、Um, so, so, this media conference, we have a lot of people in the room, however, who would probably like to be a little less dependent on advertising.、Um, your company, Thrillist, has. Diversified so well that you're now somewhere around three quarters e commerce、yep. from a revenue perspective. Yeah, yep. So that's like 70 million or 70 to 80 million last year. These numbers are public. Something like that. Right.、Yeah. So, so are you a media company or are you an e commerce company? Because that sounds yeah, an awful no, lot. Yeah, no, and it's a good question and it's something that we,、uh, we actually, I, I don't have a great answer. And I think that、uh, as time has gone on, we've We've sort of gone back and forth when we, when we bought Jack Threads. Anyone here a Jack Threads shopper? Beautiful. Why don't you, get, why don't you tell people who don't know Jack Threads? Well, yeah, I'll tell you. So, we, we bought Jack Threads a long time ago as a small flash sale business that、um, was a successful advertiser of Thrillists. And the original concept was we've got a ton of unsold ad,、um, ad inventory at Thrillist,、um, like every other media company in the world.、Uh, and On various occasions, we're trying to figure out,、uh, and not to mention the fact that I think that the nature of our content was、uh, very service oriented. And so the relationship that we had was one of trust. We told guys how to spend their time and their money. And so we、uh, had a certain kind of influence over our users that we thought would be interesting to explore if we could figure out how to directly monetize them, not just through advertising, but actually through selling products. And so we bought a small flash sale business called Jack Threads. Uh, to integrate into the experience so that we could ultimately、um, build and own our own biggest advertiser. So, this was a pretty small deal at the time? Yeah,、was、very、it? small deal at the time. I mean, it was a couple、uh, million bucks. We didn't even, by the time we had done the deal, we had raised、uh, less than a couple of million bucks in total. So, it was a little stock and a little cash. Hi, Nick. And、uh, that, was, that was it. And、uh, I mean, 
you know, Jason, who had founded Jack Threads, came over to join me as one of my partners in building the combined network. And the idea then was what? Ad building a media business alone on advertising was was scary proposition, and so let's see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. I, I think for us, the idea was we have this relationship. Advertising is great, and advertising is growing. And uh, but maybe to what end? I think a lot has changed in the last five years, and you've seen some uh, businesses, you know, Vox being one of them, uh, that have reached scale that I don't think I necessarily believed was possible five years ago. For uh, your for yourself or for myself period. or for the rest of the market? I mean, at yeah. that point, we had you know the biggest media company. Um, you know, from sort of this new generation of, of digital first media businesses was the Huffington Post, which was large in audience scale, but, uh, you know, even five years, it was, it was a small business. And I thought um, it was worth exploring how we could take the valuable asset that we had that all media businesses have. They're, you know, you're as good as the relationship with your audience. And we thought that there was an opportunity to take that and turn it into a new business. Uh, and so our means of doing it was to uh, find a business that we thought was a really natural advertiser and that that would be the first point of connected uh, connection. And so initial idea is we will sell stuff from Jack Threads, which is a flash sale site, to our guys who, yeah, are, who I, are reading Thrillist emails and Thrillist I think articles. the initial idea was we talk to guys, Jack Threads sells to guys, they're a successful advertiser. It's a small company. Let's figure out if this shit works um, and if we can help them grow. And uh, if we can send our guys, you know, our readers to become buyers, what we found is we were able to get our readers to become, to become buyers. We were able to get their buyers to become readers. And this virtuous cycle got created, and both businesses started growing faster. And over time, I think the most interesting part was that uh, the media business actually got more interesting when we had access to the data uh, from the commerce business. I think our, our advertiser pitch got a little bit more interesting. We were still really small from an audience scale perspective. Yep. And our foot in the door when we went and talked to a brand was, hey, but we own this commerce business and we understand commerce data and shopping habits uh, in ways that other media companies don't. And so we were able to get. Was that real or was that a good no, pitch? No, it was, it, was, it was absolutely real, um, but it was, uh, it was a, a point of differentiation in a world where. There were a bunch of brands. Uh, we were we were small, um, and it was a way for us to go and sort of uh, act bigger. Um, over time, as our audience has grown, it, we've we found that the the data piece and actually integrating, like we've done really interesting things where we've produced physical products for brands or where we've. Uh, let brands sort of integrate themselves into the checkout funnel, and we found that that those have become sort of more valuable pieces of. Uh, of the connection than uh, necessarily like helping us get in the door. Okay, so now we're let's fast forward. We're five years, five years in from when you acquired Jack Threads. Yeah, it's the majority of your business, but Thrillist is still is is growing really fast and is I, I think what we've ultimately sort of found is that. Uh, the businesses have a ton of awesome interconnectivity from a data and audience perspective. But the businesses that means, also that means so that means overlap in terms of who's going to both overlap what? in terms of going to both and being able to use unsold inventory to push users from one place to the yeah. other and yeah. sort of ways to connect the businesses. Yeah. But like both of the businesses uh, require their own like you want to be a great media company you have to create great content. I, you know Josh said that earlier. It's a really 
Like, it's a truth. You want to win in any consumer-facing business, you have to create a great product. At the end of the day, Jack Thread's success can be helped by Thrillist, but if Jack Thread's going to win, it has to sell great shit. And the same thing for Thrillist. If Thrillist is going to win, we can find clever ways to monetize our audience through commerce and other things, but we have to create great content. Um, and, and create great content for our advertising partners and create great content for ourselves. And I think that uh, the, the idea that you can do content and commerce by having links to buy a blazer at the bottom of an article about where to eat, like that's a, that's a nice idea that isn't uh, a reality. The reality is that we have two big audiences that we found smart ways to interconnect, but that each of the businesses has to focus on their core offering, which is great content and great product. So there are some people in the room who have built nice businesses in affiliate, in an affiliate model. I don't know if that's what you were referencing. No, well, I mean, well, well, so like I think there's other media companies who have found different ways to think about commerce, uh, like like Cocker, uh, who has uh, you know publicly built a nice commerce business without holding inventory and with uh, being able to get affiliate revenue from writing about products that. Uh, they drive a lot of sales of from places like Amazon, and, and Nick's built a nice business doing that uh, with, I, I think it's like there's less reward, but there's less risk in, in that approach, and it's been really successful for Gawker. I think for us, we sort of took a, a bigger swing that on certain days I'm really pumped that we took, and on other days I'm like, man, commerce is like a whole big So you have a, a you have a big warehouse. Like, yeah, like you're we have stocking. 190 people who work at our retail business. And, and, at, me and at media, you have how many people? 150? You have a lot of people. You're telling me. Yeah. Yeah. So you have 190 people. You have a big warehouse. Sounds like it's a, that's a real retail operation. It's a real retail operation. So we have, do, do we you have ever people think? designing clothing on staff. And, uh, and you know, we're designing and manufacturing our own stuff. We have a 45-person you know, customer service customer experience uh, center in Columbus, Ohio. We have a 100,000 square foot warehouse and a, uh, you know, a photo studio. Like, it's like a whole, you know, like when I look at that business, we don't, you know, I don't think about competing with Gawker. I think about trying to, you know, disrupt the gap or J. Crew or big traditional retail. And when I think about my media business, then I'll compete with Gawker. Is that is that confusing internally, or has that been confusing it has over been time? Confusing, yeah, it has, and and we've made changes over the last few years to sort of uh, make it less confusing. So we actually have a president of each business who has full PL accountability for the the, the entire operation. And so I, I have a guy named Mark Walker who runs Jack Threads, who spent 15 years at the Gap and Levi's, and. Uh, and then spend some time at, in flash sale business who oversees that entire organization and is responsible for the performance of that business. And then uh, the media business has the same thing. And then there's a, a small corporate group that is sort of a, a set of shared services and that works on making sure that there's the right uh, points of interconnection. But traditionally, that wasn't the, the setup. We had had a big corporate group and then a small group of merchandisers and a small group of content creators. And uh, I, I think that it's a it's a much cleaner way of thinking about the business. Uh, from you know, if you just like if we want to go compete in either of these businesses, we need to be super focused and aggressive and know our KPIs and know what we're driving towards. And that can get lost in the mix if you uh, if you matrix the whole org. So the umbrella company is still called Thrillist Media Group, yep. correct? And so the, the entities in that are Thrillist.com, 
which is about 12 million uniques or something like that. Uh, give me a little more credit. Comscore, okay, 12 million okay, uniques, okay, but, yeah, about, yeah, yeah. but that's like 100% up from last year. Um, there's, you, have a, you have a smaller tech gadget site called Super Compressor, correct? Yeah. And a lot and, of plans for sort of other vertical expansion. Got it, okay, and then, and then Jack Threads. Um, does it matter that the entity is still called Media Group? I mean, you're talking about competing with the gap. Yeah. On one end, you're competing with, I'm assuming you're talking about, you've talked about Esquire Recode. for a long time. Recode, you're competing with us. Um, over time, do, do they have to live under the same umbrella? I think that there's a lot of benefit to them living under the same umbrella. I think that both of the businesses are big enough that they 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 like have a, a soul and like a lifeblood and a momentum of their own. I think that together, it's a very powerful combination. But but the businesses don't feed off each other in such a way that they can't exist. Uh, they don't need each other to live. Um, and I think that, that that speaks to the strength of what we've built. Not uh, like for me, that's the that's the signal that content and commerce has worked. That the businesses each can self-sustain and can grow and can be real entities without one another, but I like them together. Uh, I think that together they're a very powerful force. So there could be a world in which you would consider spitting off one, keeping the other, focusing on that? I, I mean, I don't know, that, uh, like, I mean, there could be a world that, like, I'm on the mess. Um, but Do you want to tell I'm your little secret about the I'm, Mets? The secret is Peter went over and the Mets game starts in about 10 minutes, so I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> ben confessed that if the Mets were home tonight, he would have canceled on Kara Swisher and Peter Kafka, and I told him that would have been the worst mistake of his life. Luckily, the Mets are on the Mets road. Mets are on the road. It's all good. Okay, so you would, so there's a world in which that would make sense, but you don't see that right now. Right. Okay. Um, let's talk about the media business a little bit because it is, it's a real business. A lot of people visiting each month. Um, Facebook, I feel like we had a conversation in which you, you talked about Facebook driving, or social in general, driving a lot of the growth over the last year. Um, are you guys doing a lot of paid no, stuff no, no. on but Facebook? I mean, I, I fundamentally believe that media businesses that are, that are paying for traffic, like that's a bad, bad, bad game, a really nasty habit. And So you pay uh, for no traffic? Pay for no traffic. Zero. Every once in a blue moon, we've probably spent $5,000 this year on like testing. If we're like trying to learn something about like a headline test or something like that, like we do not spend money on Facebook. Now, sometimes we, as a service, like as a line item for our advertising partners, we will go and do audio ex extension and create custom audiences and target specific lookalikes. The BuzzFeed model? I mean, I guess that they're probably the pioneers of it, but if we're creating great branded content, we'll try to find more reach for that content, but that's not, that's done in, in view of the advertiser, not behind the scenes. Got it. Uh, so Facebook, but it ha it's had a big impact even yeah, Facebook's organically. Had a, I mean, do you worry, our, do you worry about? Well, Facebook has had a much, it, it's had a big impact, um, although we are, our growth, it is, if I were to think about from a, from a source perspective, percentage growth, we've had a higher percentage growth of traffic from search this year than we have from social. We've had a higher percentage growth from, uh, we've had a higher percentage growth from, of a from a traffic perspective from email than we have from social this year. 
Um, social is not where our growth is coming from. It's a really balanced approach to driving through every channel. Facebook, last year, when they, you know, Move some dials. No, they've told Everyone. them they do not have a dial. Oh, right. they, they've right. said that on stage. Okay. They've, well, they have multiple. They're lying about that. Uh, <laughs> but so when they did the, whatever dial work they did last year, then that was really helpful for everybody. By the way, not like, a, not you know everybody. how you know that there's a dial. What, we have a media business and a, and a retail business. I get to see in like one minute. Like, what is you can what pay? Is, what is that? Pay. You can't pay because you're a poor media company? Okay, it's free. I mean, like, overnight, the, 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 the organic reach that you get in your retail business went away, and the organic reach that you had in your media business blew through the roof. Um, and, uh, and by the way, it was a really smart move for them. Facebook's a way better experience as a result. I spend way more time on Facebook today than I did a year ago because I find really interesting content, and I don't have tons of e-commerce sites jamming stuff down my throat. So good move by Facebook. Um, you know, this year they made their tweak around video, which is if you're creating video content, short form, you know, good quality video content on Facebook, they're going to promote you and you're going to rise. And if you're not, you're going to get dinged a little bit. You and guys aren't. How, how much video are you doing? I was. We're messing, not creating was, enough. I mean, we've we've uh, you recently do, you hired, do recipes, right? Yeah, we. I mean, we we haven't really had a, a concerted uh, video effort uh, for for I think you know a year ago. That was the right thing. Six months ago, that probably changed. <laughs> and so we're playing a little bit of catch up now on the video side. We've, we've brought in a really fantastic guy to run the whole video apparatus across both editorial and branded and build teams in both. And so he's hard at work doing that. How uh, much of that is driven by what you're seeing on, on Facebook, for example? Or it's, a lot of it's driven by that and a lot of it's <laughs> driven by uh, you know, branded content and native advertising and the fact that we're responsible for helping brands tell really great stories and we want to be multi-dimensional in how those stories can sort of live and so we need to be good at that. How, how active is Thrills right now on uh, Snapchat and how much business do you see or traffic? We're, we're, I, we're probably in the boat with a bunch of people. We're playing around, we're doing stuff, we're talking about you know Discover and blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I'm a big Snapchat fan. I'm a huge believer in the platform. We're going to spend, I had a meeting on it today. We're spending a lot of time thinking about it. We're, uh, we're in testing phase. And if it continues on the trajectory it's on, we're going to be very, very, very active. Um, if, if for no other reason than it's an important place for our, where our guys are, even if the monetization isn't there, I think that there's certain places where you just have to decide to make an investment and, and hope that you're able to find ways to monetize it. And I think Snapchat probably fits in that bucket. So overall, I think Thrillist is now ten something like ten years old, nine years old. Which for a venture back, depressing, for, isn't it? It's kind of depressing. I know. I'm like for, getting old. For a venture backed, um, venture backed media companies is a long time. You've raised, you raised early on. You raised about two million dollars, right? Yeah, not. I mean, we raised a few hundred grand very early on, and like little dribs and drabs. But we we didn't raise real money until the business was six years old. Um, so we built to some real scale uh, on, you know, pennies and just like begging, borrowing, and stealing, and, and it took a long time. And then we've uh, grown the business a lot faster since we raised uh, like 15 million bucks uh, in 2012, right? Two th sure. 2012. So you raised about 13. Well, what was yeah. public was 13 million dollars yeah. in 2012. It's 
almost the end of 2015. I think we talked about last year either going out and you, you think about either going out raising a lot of money and yep. I don't know doing doing yeah. things you do with a lot of money and <laughs> or we we've like also buying we've, recode Peter yes buying right. recode from Vox that'll be tough um, Peter yeah. and I have also reported you've had some talks with some companies about potential acquisitions Viacom being one of them uh, that we reported on appreciate that thank you again for calling me when I was at a bachelor party in Montreal at 10 in the morning and waking me up to ask me about that. Ben, ben did have the most, probably one of the best, I wouldn't even, I'm not gonna even call it a denial, because it wasn't exactly, but quote that I was bothering him while he was at a bachelor party, um, news doesn't wait, Ben. And uh, so, so, what? I mean, what can you tell us about? We're not, we're not selling the company to Viacom, like I told you. Uh, <laughs> like I said, um, uh, you know, I think, I think the rumor was that we're hanging, was that like we were talking to, you know, <laughs> anyone who is running an independent digital media business with any scale who doesn't go and talk to people or who doesn't admit to it is just fucking lying. Like, who are we kidding? Like, people hang out and talk and chat about stuff and talk about partnerships and things like that. Like, I'm not just sitting under my desk all day, but we're not selling the business to Viacom. We're not doing anything. We're just working hard and have... Uh, we have a bunch of investing to do and a bunch of stuff we need to focus on. Like we talked about video, uh, like we talked about the, the or I, I sort of alluded to, uh, this vertical, sort of this verticalization or, or entering some new areas that we think we have brand permission to go into but haven't necessarily invested from a content perspective. Uh, uh, we have some, some really big sort of upcoming projects and, and launches that we're focused on at Jack Threads um, in the private label space that we're really excited about. Uh, so you're, you're on board? Oh. However, Baby, I'm here. Three years ago, you said in an interview that you had you had more fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing You're out freaking me out. Yeah, three years ago, uh, something along the lines of you, you enjoy being CEO of a of a bigger company with several hundred people, much more than you do you did as as a startup CEO. Where three years later, you're over I 300 can't even, employees. Now I've been doing this for 10 years, so I don't even remember what it feels you, like to you, run a tiny company. And, and you're also an investor on the side with yeah with a firm you run with your father, Ken, and Eric Hippo. Do you want to, do you want to be doing this a bunch more years? Yeah, I want to be doing this a bunch more years. Uh, you know, a bunch, meaning like eight or 10 or 12. Like at a certain point, I'm going to fall asleep. Uh, it's exhausting. I mean, like we're hustling. Uh, you know, there's like a lot of shit going on. So, um, yeah, I'm having, I'm, having the I'm having so much fun. I think, you know, later in my life, I would love to sort of graduate to being allowed to be an investor uh, full time. Uh, well, let's, so. let's talk about the investing a little bit. So you, your father, and, and Eric Hippo, former uh, Huffington Post uh, CEO and a bunch of other things in media, three of you started an investment firm in startups, seed stage startups. Yep. Um, there's a lot of talk right now about valuations. What, what are you yeah. seeing when you're meeting new companies in terms of expectations of entrepreneurs? And yeah, well, I mean, we, so we, we're, we're, our focus is, uh, is, is quite specific. It's early stage, so seed or seed plus, like first money in. Um, it's a heavy New York focus. And uh, so I think that, you know, like, like unicorns coming and going, is like a little bit less, uh, it's like just not particularly relevant to us right now. Are, Any uh, unicorns in your? 
yeah. portfolio. So yeah, we got we got BuzzFeed. We got. Does that count? That counts. Uh, no, is that what's a unicorn? A billion dollars? Oh, that's not. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. What, is that not the definition of a unicorn? No, your father. Your father is chairman, so I didn't oh. know if that counted from that perspective. Well, no, but we're our fund's an investor. Okay. Um, yep. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, what else? We got Warby Parker. That's a that's another one. Um, so I cut you off. Keep, maybe keep, keep, yeah. Anyway, we're focused on early stage investing. Um, so you know the fluctuations in the early stage market are you know an expectation of uh, a five million dollar pre money versus a six million dollar pre money um, which valuation is valuation which isn't which can be meaningful but it's not the same as you know. I don't know, this company's worth $800 million, or maybe it's worth $600 million, or maybe it's worth $200 million, or maybe it's worth $2 billion, which I think a little bit. That's what's going on. I think there's a little, I think the West Coast late stage market's pretty nuts right now. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't think that this is going to lead to some epic collapse. I think that there's a massive difference between the companies that are getting valued today with these big, with these big numbers and, and what you might have seen in 2008. Um, these are like really fundamentally great companies, like the, the companies in our portfolio that are raising big, crazy rounds. Like we have a company called Casper, which is a mattress business that raised around it at 500 plus million dollars recently. And all the press was like insane in a year. This company's raising at 500. Like I'm on the board. Like it's the best company ever. It is a monster. It's growing so fast. It's got real doing, revenue. Doing revenue of? Doing revenue, I don't know what they've reported, but like I, you it's can, been rumored to. Uh, why don't I tell you? Uh, it's been rumored that I think thirty that, uh, million in the first year or something like that. Yeah, but no, it's been rumored that they'll that they'll do hundred million this year. I've, I've read that. Mattresses. Um, this is mattresses. Mattresses. Very comfortable. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 like what I would tell you is like this is a phenomenal company, and the valuation is not based on some multiple of revenue that necessarily makes sense, but it's based on an extraordinary team, a very big category, uh, a, a multi-billion dollar opportunity, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of excitement and attention from a bunch of deep-pocketed investors. And so you know, at the time of the investment, it was 550 or whatever the price was, the right price versus some other number. I think that that's a little bit arbitrary. It's worth what someone will pay for it. Yep. But the future of that business is incredibly bright, and I think it's going to be worth billions of dollars. And whether you invest at four or 500 as a late-stage investor, you're going to do really well. So I think that there are businesses that are doing, uh, that are raising lots of money at, at, at you know arbitrary valuations, but not stupid companies. Let's open it up. Uh, any questions from the audience? Otherwise, Jeez. Ben's going to pitch another portfolio company to right. us. <laughs> right here. Hi. Okay. Um, oh. Hi. So it sounds like Jack Threats wasn't something they were really planning on having a big impact uh, financially. Um, if it wasn't for Jack Threats, what did you see as the really big opportunities uh, for Thrillist? You mean back in the day? Back in the day. I think I, think I, was, I was looking for big opportunities for Thrillist. Uh, you know, when the, at the time of the, the Jack Threads deal, we were really an email newsletter. I mean, we started as sort of like a, you know, I wouldn't say a knockoff of Daily Candy, but we were very deeply inspired by Daily Candy, rest in peace. And we, uh, we felt like, uh, you know, we, we hadn't yet started to really understand 
uh, you know, content distribution outside of email. I think uh, our business was was immature in a lot of ways at that point, and so we were looking for, you know, we did look at Jack Threads or commerce as some way to sort of make our not particularly interesting media business interesting. Uh, I'm comfortable admitting that now because we've made our not particularly interesting media business interesting during the last few years, and so. Uh, I think that that was that was probably the the reason that we first went into it was, you know, like we weren't we didn't have one of the big breakout media businesses I think we do today and so it's a you know it's a different thing. Anyone else? How do you think about using data um, for growing the both the media side and the e-commerce side? Well, that, I mean, there's a there's a there's a bunch of different ways to think about that. I think on the you know the data side, in the media business, um, we think a lot about obviously how our audience responds to content that we create and how they consume it and how they share it and how they discover it. And we we look at data to help us uh, get smarter about what kind of content we we should create and, and sort of where we should uh, invest from that perspective. We also think a lot about data from an advertising perspective, how we can try and not just sell. Uh, sort of impressions, but how we can sell outcomes. And how, you know, for us, the thing that we really focus on is purchase intent and helping brands measure that when they're doing work with us, we're in fact changing uh, perceptions and behaviors um, around their brands, not just uh, sort of, not, not necessarily by buying through us, but, uh, but by, by taking action elsewhere in the world. And so we, we, we use data, you know, I think pretty heavily in, in those ways. And then on the commerce side, Data influences the way that we think about buying or the way that we think about creating merchandise. It influences the ways that we think about doing our own media buying and, and uh, acquiring audience and, and, uh, and reaching new people. Um, and then we think a lot about data and how the two businesses actually interconnect um, and, and sort of understanding user paths and uh, lifetime value and things like that. So uh, you know, I, I do think one of the big strengths for us as a company has always been that we're a technology company. Um, you know, we have. Uh, you know, between tech product and data, probably 75 people out of about 350 are in that group. I mean, we really, um, our, our CMS and our commerce platform are homegrown, um, you know, similar to, I think, a lot of the most successful uh, startups on either side. You know, obviously, Vox talks a lot about uh, Chorus and what they've built, and BuzzFeed touts their system, and Gawker's built Kinja, and there's lots of businesses that have built really interesting tech platforms. I think, you know, we've done our own version of that. Time for one more, if there is one. Right there. Can you just say who you are? I should have been saying that all along, but sure. we'll start now. Shelly Banjo from Quartz. Um, when you merge content and commerce, how do you manage to keep the content keep the content authentic? Yeah, that, uh, that's a great question, and a question we get a lot. I think for us, it just has to do with uh, it does have to do with that sort of separation. Um, they they sort of operate independently. Or the the business isn't. Uh, the commerce business isn't driven by us writing articles about uh, clothing that we like sell at Jack Threads on Thrillist. Uh, sometimes we run advertising campaigns that are sort of labeled as such on Thrillist for Jack Threads. But uh, JT has its own, like, is its own entity, is its own uh, store. The the relationship is really uh, obviously there's lots of sort of underneath the hood things that are shared, but. Um, from a consumer perspective, they just look like a really, really, really big advertiser. Cool. Ben, thanks so much. Jason, thank you, my friend. Thanks. Thank you very much.